Welcome, Berwyn community. Pastor Kevin here, and I'm so glad you're tuning in for this podcast recording of the worship service for March 3rd, 2024. Join us as we embark on the sacred journey, learning to live as bearers of God's image, extending forgiveness and embracing humility. May our time together inspire you to reflect God's image in your daily life, inviting others to recognize their own sacred value as beloved children of God. Let us prepare our hearts as we enter into this time of worship and we begin with an opening prayer. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for gathering us here to worship you, to sing praises to your name, to hear your word read and proclaimed. We ask that we are especially aware of your spirit moving in our midst so that we would hear what you would have us hear and in the hearing be transformed of both mind, heart, and hand. We give you thanks that you are always with us, whether we can see it or not. In your holy name we pray. Amen. We're going to be reading from the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 12. And if you're using... The Pew Bible, it's on page 175, towards the back. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a dimly, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. We read in the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants to collect from them his share of the produce of the vineyards. But they seized him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent another slave to them. This one they beat over the head and insulted Then he sent another, and that one they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they seized him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? 
The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in his eyes, in our eyes. When they realized that he had told this parable against them, they wanted to arrest him. But they feared the crowd, so they left him and went away. Then they sent to him some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. And they came to say and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. Then he said to them, Whose head is this? And whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Jesus said to them, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this passage, I'd love to be able to stand up here and say, especially this time of year, that Jesus is specifically talking about taxes, and that's the main lesson, that you don't have to pay them, or that it's not that important. I still have yet to do mine. I am not sure what the tax bill will be, but unfortunately, that's not the lesson that Jesus wants us to get from this, I don't think. When Jesus asks for a coin, he asks whose title is on it, whose likeness, whose face, whose image is on this coin. And they have to reply, well, it's Caesar's. So they knew intrinsically what that coin looked like and whose image was on it. They had seen it so much, perhaps they didn't even have to look at the coin to answer the question. And so Jesus tells them, because it is Caesar's image, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Now we get the first half. He asked about the coin. What is the image on the coin? We get it. The coin belongs to Caesar. But where does this give to God? What does God's come from? Where does this distinction come from? I believe we have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. When God is looking at the earth that is empty of life, God says, let us form mankind in our image. And he creates them. God creates us. God creates humanity in God's image. Now, what does that look like? Because when I look at myself, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, when we look at those around us, it is sometimes incredibly hard to see God in our neighbor. It is incredibly hard to see God in our lives. It is incredibly hard to see even just hints of the image of God. And why is that? Well, the answer is sin. The answer is that because of the way we live, because of the sins of this world and the powers in this world at play... The image of God is often obscured in how we live and how we treat one another and how we make decisions and what we place first and foremost, what we build our lives around. It becomes hard to see the image of God. And this plays out in how we treat one another. It is a lot easier to treat the immigrant as a foreign invader because we can't see the image of God within them. 
It is far easier to see the person that has angered us and wronged us and write them off completely if we don't see the image of God within them. It's very easy that if we do not see the presence and the image of God that they were created with, to see, think that they have no value. But is this how God sees us? Is this how God interacts with us? Is this how God wants us to live? Now, I watch a lot of strange videos on YouTube. I often go down rabbit trails, and Eliana and I started watching this guy who restores toys and arcade games and old mechanical toys and makes them look brand new. It's fascinating to watch him get rid of the, the lead, the rust, the accumulation of dirt, that, and make these things shiny and new again. Now, one area of these videos has to do with coins and restoring and polishing coins. And they'll start by showing the coin that has accumulated dirt and grime to the point where you could not see or make out the relief on the outside. It was just pure darkness, pure dirt, pure, well, it's just flat. And oftentimes when you watch these videos, they'll take a masking tape and cover over half. And then they'll spend time and energy and cleaning supplies and polishing paste and all of that to shine, clean away the grime and clean up the dirt so that you can see the relief behind it. Now I ask you this, did he spend that much time because the coin without being cleaned has no value? Did he spend that much time because it was worthless until it was clean? Or did he know and believe that that coin had value and the value was being obscured and hidden because of the dirt and the crime that accumulated. Obviously, if it had no value, if it was just a metal plug, if it was something of insignificance, it would not be worth the time to clean it up. We bear the image and likeness of God in our lives and in our living. We were created in the image of God with the characteristics that come with that, of love, of patience, of kindness of creativity, of life-giving, of justice and mercy. These are the image of God that we were created with, and through our lives and through all of the things that have happened to us and around us, that image of God that we have been created with to treat our neighbors, to treat ourselves, to treat the, the least and the lost among us with value, all of it just gets covered. We can't see the value in ourselves, and we certainly can't see it in the other. And because of Christ, because of his work, because of his life, death, and resurrection, the grime can be cleaned. The dirt that is accumulated that obscures the image of God can be polished away so that again the image of God that we have been created with can shine anew. And I want to make that clear, just like that coin that is polished had value before it was polished, we do not just gain value in God's eyes after Christ's death and resurrection. Christ died because God loves us. Christ died and rose again because God sees value in us and sees what has been lost and covered. God loved this, the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that none should perish but all have eternal life. You don't do that. 
You don't leave the splendor of heaven itself becoming human, and not only that, but becoming a slave, being born in a manger of walking and being tested and criticized and flogged and beaten for the sake of something that has no value. And so when we look at others, and because of sin, we look at them as looking through a glass dimly, covered in the very grime that we are trying to clear away through sinful eyes, we see no value in the other. We think of them less than. We judge them as society judges them. But instead through Christ cleaning and through us working alongside him, growing and, and becoming sanctified, of becoming more like Christ in our daily living through prayer, through study, through small groups, through fasting. When we become little Christians, little Christs, we begin to see not only value in ourselves, but we can no longer look at those that society views as valueless the same way. We look at them, we catch glimpses of the image of God, kind of like that coin that's dirty. If you kind of tilt it in the right way, you can kind of see the light reflecting off the ridges. And you know there's something there. And you know it can be cleaned away. And you know that it's not just some worthless piece of metal, but something that has value. And so we want to share Christ with them. We want to introduce them to the one who can make them clean. Both through their own actions, but also through the actions of others and the powers and principalities in this world. We want them to see for themselves the value that they have being created in the image of God. We want to clean up the grind that covers our own eyes so that we can see clearly the image of God in others. And we want to live in such a way that people don't have to stare at us and wonder who we belong to. When Jesus held up that coin and said, whose image is on this coin? Whose title is on this coin? And the people could answer even from a distance, say, well, Caesar's. We want people to be able to look at us and look at how we live and how we interact with others and how we treat the least and the lost, the, first, the, the forsaken in our world. And we want people from at a distance, without having to think about it at all, to say, you bear the image of God. You belong to God. How do we do that? We do that by living, by loving, by being and bearing the very characteristics of God that we read about in 1 Corinthians. Are we patient? Are we kind? Do we boast? Are we slow to anger? These are just some of the characteristics of God in whose image we are made that we find in the scripture. There are so many more, but we've got to start somewhere. We've got to start somewhere in choosing this day to live as God's image bearers. Not for our sake and not for our prestige and not so that we look better, so that we look clean and shiny, forgetting about the grime of the world and the things that cover up the image of God in others, but so that others may look, may see without having to look too hard who we belong to, whose image we bear. And I pray, as they do so, they begin to see their own 
the image of God within them and seek for themselves the restoration that Christ brings. My hope and prayer is that for each and one, every one of us, that we call out to God for forgiveness, we find restoration of the image of God that is within us, we recognize our own worth as God's image bearers, and we don't let anything tell us we're worthless. And then we go into a world where people are hurting, people are told that they are less valued, people are told that they are unwanted and unloved, people are told that they are unwelcome, that they are ultimately lost forever. And we help them see that they bear God's image and help introduce them to the one that can wipe it all away and that they too will know and they live lives in such a way offering up to God that which bears God's image themselves, their lives so that others may too know whose image they bear, whose title they bear as a forgiven, adopted child of the Holy One. Why do we give? Each week I talk about the various ministries that we do as a church and the various ways that you can participate in that through your giving. But this morning I want to talk about giving as an act of worship. That this is not just like the halftime show where we kind of pause our worship and pass the plates and the ushers come forward and we talk about how the people who give online and give throughout the week and through the mail, all those gifts are combined, though true. We give because it's an act of worship. It's a way of saying, God, everything that I have is because of you. All of the gifts, all of the talents, the energy, the gift of each new day is a gift from God. And in worship and in gratitude for what God has given us, we give a portion back to him. And so these moments, though sometimes awkward, why do we pass the plate? Why do we talk about money? We do so in these moments as a continuance in our worship of God that began in the beginning of our service and will continue to the end. So however you choose to give, whether you give in person in the plate and there's envelopes in the pews if you don't have any, if you give online, if you send it through the mail, however you decide to give, know it is through that act of worship and gratitude for what God has done. Any others? Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you have called us as your people in this world and in this community. We give you thanks for the ways that you have blessed us for the ways that you remind us that we are your people, for the ways that you encourage us, the ways that you polish us, so that we might look more like you each day. We ask that you would guide us, guide us with conviction and courage, give us eyes to see a new reality in which this church is a blessing to those around us, in which this church transforms lives in your name, in which this church has a long and bright future ahead of it. We set aside the mistakes, the challenges, and the pains of the past and step forward into a new future in store for us. We know that the needs in our community are so great, the needs around us 
the people who are hurting, who are lonely, who are lost, who are rejected, who feel unwanted and unloved, who are lost in sin, who are lost in addiction. Help us to speak your life into those lives that as we feed the hungry, they may see you. That as we invite them here, as we worship together, they may encounter you. And that as we push out into the world, people may see and know that you are our God and we bear your image. We lift up our denomination. We lift up General Conference coming at the end of April and early May. We lift up Christine and we lift up all of the other delegates from our annual conference that they might be inspired by your spirit and your wisdom that as they discern a future for our denomination, they may be guided by your spirit and strengthened by your presence. We pray for all those that pass through our doors for whatever reason. We pray for the children in the nursery school and their parents and families. We pray for those who come on AA for healing on Wednesdays. We pray for the hungry that come on Tuesday mornings. We pray for everyone who is blessed because of our presence here. But again, not for our sake, but for theirs. That healing may occur. That growth may happen. That transformation is at hand. And that darkness is dispelled. And the light of Christ shines forth. We ask this all in the name of Christ who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May you go from this place remembering that you bear God's image. And that if you feel like that is hidden and obscured, may you encounter and come to the one who will make you clean again and find renewal in Christ. And may you recognize the image of God in those you meet as you go in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.